wrap up things. You want to get in on the conversation. Well, you know what? There's so many places to start. My adrenaline is just flying today. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender here at WBT. News Talk 1110 WBT. Great audience. Amazing folks. Uh, 704-570-1110. 570-1110. Always appreciate the calls, and we'll move you right in. I, I just want to wrap up the final thing with the Elon Musk. So we went the Elon Musk situation. We looked at a couple of things, the, the way that, that EVs handle things, electric vehicles. Just be aware of limitations of cold. In the South, not as big a deal, but once in a while it can be a problem. And the the fact that there are P, these virtue signal lefties that now they've, they've invested, they've bought, they, they're hook, line, and sinker to save the world. They're going to buy their tax-subsidized electric vehicles. Their Tesla, they're so proud. They, they paid an exorbitant amount of money for a car that they'll never recoup the money back out of, even with the subsidies. But they're proud of it because they're saving the world. They're doing us a favor. And now they're upset because... Elon Musk isn't what they thought he was. He's actually someone who thinks about things, who has a variety of, of opinions. I don't always agree with Musk, but I don't think he's a dyed-in-the-wool wackadoo conservative by any stretch of the imagination. I think what he is is someone who got sick of the censorship. He got sick of the un-American way in which a lot of big techs are acting. He got sick of the way the entirety of Government agencies were being politicized and weaponized. He got tired of stories that were true being buried. That's what he got tired of. If liberals don't like things, if liberals don't like the way things of being fair, they need to find another. They, they really don't understand the country. You guys aren't always right. In fact, you're wrong plenty of times. Roger, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? Yeah, a little while ago you were talking about how people with different political views. If you don't, if you're a Trump supporter or whatever, anything different, that they, they want to put you in jail or ostracize you. Yeah, absolutely. And you were thought out these elections and everything with inflation and the way the country is going. You would thought it would have been a landslide with uh, voting for the Republicans, but it wasn't. People right. cannot connect the dots to what's going on in Washington. That comes to their, their their front door and affects them personally, you know. Roger, that's, you know you're 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 spot on. People and their political views. The the if you looked at surveys and, and you go through those and you look at there's there's one that's that's kind of timeless. We look at it every couple months, I, at least I do, and it's called right direction, wrong direction. You survey a bunch of folks from a variety of political backgrounds. You say, hey, do you think the country is heading in the right direction, the wrong direction, or or neither? And overwhelmingly, for the past year, and even now, it's still 70-80% wrong direction, whether it's Rasmussen or any of the other ones that are out there. And so you, you're right. So if, if 80% of folks think the country's headed in the wrong direction, why would you return to Washington the same people that have been monolithically in charge? In other words, it was, ba it was the Democrats who had the House, the Democrats who had the Senate, the Democrats who hold the White House. In North Carolina, it's kind of a split. It's a split pot. The governor's a Democrat. The House and Senator are Republican. But if you're looking at the wrong direction, why would you give that to the Democrats unless – you don't connect those dots. In other words, headed in the wrong direction, but they believe, those who voted for them believe it would be worse if they put Republicans in charge. That's a problem that Republicans have with messaging and getting to the American public. But we know they've been kind of boxed out by big tech, not letting them get their message out. You know, sometimes it looks like me. It's because that grandpa was a Democrat and the father was a Democrat, but the 
uh, the Democratic Party has changed from what it was uh, 25 years ago or whatever you know. You know what? I hear that from some. I've heard it in, in Brunswick County. There, there are elected officials down here that have literally told me, oh, I said, well, you were a Democrat through Obama. Well, no, that's different. The Democrat Party's changed. No, it hasn't. What changed was there were a lot more Republicans in your county and you switched parties so that you could get elected because you could never have gotten elected as a Democrat. You switched out of convenience. You find that in Lee County. You find that in several counties where people are politically expedient. They, they, they really are looking out for themselves when they switch parties. And that's the most serious problem I think the Republicans have. They have an identity problem and they have a political philosophy problem. Because conservatives tend to be Republican, but not all Republicans tend to be conservative. And that's why you end up with a Mitch McConnell. That's why you end up with big government Republicans that, that, that get elected time and again. They don't have a core set of philosophical beliefs. They have really good connections. They have access to raise money. They're decent at messaging, but it's not about core beliefs. There's not that many Rand Pauls or Dan Bishops and others out there uh, who really will take it, take it to the shed, you know? I surely hate their mistakes are affecting me. Yes, I sir. disagree with everything they stand for, but it's it hurts it, with the inflation and the border crossings and all everything else going on in this whole world. You know. Well, Roger, I would say that all of that is true. I mean, certainly five million people. I've got a story we'll cover later about the fact that the they've lost track of 400,000 people coming across the border that they actually intercepted and gave uh, uh, devices to to try to track them, and they've lost almost half a million. We'll get into that later. But, but I would also say this. So many times, and, and look, it's easy to talk about national stuff because it gets people all ginned up, but a lot of local stuff really matters. And when we lose locally, it tends to translate and go, it gets kicked up the food chain. That's why all this stuff about CRT and pushback against drag shows in schools and libraries, that's why it's so important locally to have that voice. And when you see a city like Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, Asheville, Wilmington, those cities tend to lean Durham, Chapel Hill. They tend to lean left, and they go down that dark track because not enough conservatives get together and say, we got to stop it at the city level. Because what happens in Charlotte and becomes very bad policy happens at the state and becomes worse policy. Yeah, so. I'm, in Union, I'm in Union County, and I found out here this uh, in the past couple months, they were teaching that critical race theory as well. Uh, I'm 90% sure my information given me was correct on that. And that, that is crazy. Well, Roger, I mean, I, I, I understand your, your wife got out of the doctor. I hope all's well, and, and I appreciate you listening. I know that the audience does, and Pete does, but and, and appreciate you always being a part of the show. Okay, man? Yes, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. Absolutely. Callers, we, we love callers, so you're always welcome. And, and Roger's point, you know, you, you hear – in his voice, the the chagrin. It's not jaded. He's not at the point of being jaded, but he is very chagrined. He's very and 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 Roger's not alone. I think there are a lot of people that are at that point that they see the country that they live in, and and I would say that every generation does. Every generation looks at the country they live in and thinks it's either worse or better than it was. I would certainly say. You know, the Great Depression, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering what kind of country we'd have. And then we go right into World War II, and we were united in a way that's very, very rare. We come out of World War II, we think we can change the world. We have this huge boom. And then in the 60s, a president gets shot. The attorney general later, you know, who's running for president gets shot, Martin Luther King. And it's a, a time, a, a new awakening, civil rights movement and all that. 
And then Nixon happens after that. Reagan gets shot. There's, but there's booming times. There's amazing resiliency in there. And after 9-11, think about how down we were and how we turned around and came together. And, and you've heard me talk about kind of I, I don't like bipartisan stuff a lot of times, but there are times when you do come together where freedom did matter, where being American was relevant for both sides. They they really liked there was a lot of cohesion at that point in time because safety, public safety and the nation's safety became critical for even for Democrats. Now I mean, uh, think about this. If 9-11 happened in November, right after the election, do you think the border would have 5 million people you know, predicted to come across in the next two years? No. I'll guarantee you political expediency would demand that that border be shut down because of an attack on us. It hasn't happened. It will happen. I don't know when it will happen. And, and if you're thinking in terms of what about a virus or a pathogen, if you have 5 million people streaming across your southern border, it, we're good at spreading pathogens ourselves. Don't get me wrong. But having 5 million people from you don't know where coming across your border, also horrible. It's astounding to me. If a jet, if a jet airliner crashed in this country with 400 people aboard due to, you know, I don't know, any number of things. We've had 100,000 fentanyl deaths. Imagine how many aircraft would have to crash for the, for, for the public to get hip on that. I mean, for them to get it, for Democrats to say, I'm sick of it too. I'm absolutely sick of this. But it doesn't. I think that they just look at it and they go, well, the public isn't that. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, the, the, the three, all the news stations don't seem to be focusing on the border. The public's not outraged. There's not protest in the streets that much. You know what? So why should they do anything about it? And that's where we've got to be careful. Apathy, apathy is the, the opposite of, of love is apathy. And if we become apathetic, it's not hate. The opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. It's not caring. And that's where I think we run into a lot of problems with this country. If we just don't care about it, there isn't a country. There isn't something to preserve and protect. <laughs> I still think it would be fun to do an entire show with Kamala Harris. Because we like you. Because being liked is important. And other people like other people that like people. And we kind of like people that like people. And we like them in similar ways that to be liked is liking in a way to like, to enjoy being liked. So we can all like together. As opposed to like a 20 something that says like, and then we were like, and then they were like, and then we were like, and they were like. Now, uh, moving along, I do want to mention something about uh, Southwest Airlines has said that they're going to have their stuff together and will return to normal manana tomorrow. Southwest Airlines planning for its schedule to return to normal on Friday, the company said in a statement. The airline said Thursday it's eager to return to a state of normalcy with minimal disruptions ahead of another busy holiday weekend. So in other words, they think they've got it together now. The funny thing is, remember all the Democrats that screamed, Pete Buttigieg, I'm going to be on the case. I'm going to find I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Well, truth is, Southwest wants to stay in business. They did get $8 billion, I think, in COVID relief money, but that's another story for another time. Nonetheless, they wanted to get their act together. They want to be in business. They want to make their customers happy. They're going to have to spend a lot of time restoring trust. I don't even know. I can't even calculate how much it's going to cost them to do that. But Pete Buttigieg didn't need to do anything, and he really doesn't do that much. I'm going to do something. I'm sure Elizabeth Warren is screaming to get in front of a microphone and say, we're going to investigate. But that's not what needs to be done. 
There was something that happened. It, it looks like they've accepted responsibility for everything that happened, whether it's uh, the, the, the scheduling software and pilots and crews, matching crews to airlines and getting things done, plus Denver and Chicago getting slammed. Things happen. The free market happens. I'm more concerned about why I can't get half and half at the store right now because I'm not flying Southwest lately. So anyway, just a, a little note to, to let you know what's going on. Now, a couple of more things before we let the Elon Musk thing go, or at least things peripheral to Elon Musk. I'm not going to obsess over it, but I do think it's funny that he, so he's been trolling Fauci for a couple of weeks now. He, he even upset the entire left. He said his pronouns were like Fauciian prison or something like that. So, it, 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 of course, the left loses its collective mind. If you use pronouns in a way that they don't approve, then you are a bad guy or a bad person, I guess they would say, depending on you know, the can't, can't say guy. But Musk goes by him. So I guess we can say bad guy. That's what they want to uh, impose upon him, the judgment that. Elon Musk is a bad guy because he tweeted something negative about Fauci. Now, Fauci, in the world of the left, is near, you know, he's being beatified. He'll be canonized. He will be St. Fauci before it's all over. Uh, not a canonical one, but a, I guess they'll adopt him into climate change and say that somehow his work on COVID makes him a climate change hero. But so anyway, Elon Musk is hammering away on it. Here's the funny, he tweeted this. He tweeted it, I think, yesterday at uh, literally 24 hours ago, just about 24 hours ago, almost to the minute. He, he tweeted that almost no one seems to realize that the head of bioethics at the National Institute of Health, the person is, who is supposed to make sure that Fauci behaves ethically, her name is Christine Grady, is Fauci's wife. So the stopgap ethic, ethics person is Fauci's wife. The person that should be able to head up a group to say, hey, you're not acting ethically, is Fauci's wife? I didn't know that. In all the in all of the news over the past couple of years, no one ever mentioned that the head of bioethics at NIH that should be looking over Fauci's shoulder say, "I think you went too far. Don't go that far. You what you said was inaccurate." No, 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 no. It's his wife. It's a great setup. What a great gig if you can get it. Talk about holding power. Also. Uh, dovetail, and that was Musk. Musk tweeted that. It's been retweeted, I think. I don't even know at this point. I could check. But at this point, I, I think I should I should look at this and see how many times because it's kind of fascinating. 106,000 likes, 40, almost 40.5,000, 40,500 retweets. So kind of funny there. Now, another thing, in case you were oh, didn't know, the U.S. Treasury Department said today that electric vehicles leased by consumers starting January 1st can qualify for up to $7,500 in commercial clean vehicle tax credits, a decision that makes those assembled outside North America eligible. In other words, if they're made in South Korea or anywhere else, you can get a U.S. tax credit, which means you won't. Now, the Democrats won't scream about it. If you didn't pay taxes because of a tax credit, they won't scream at you for that, unless your name's Donald Trump or you're a conservative or Republican or anything that dis disagrees with them. So $7,500 commercial clean vehicle tax credit you can get, which means that someone else has to pay the taxes. <laughs> so you can get an expensive car, get $7,500 off of it, and claim your uh, credit. So automakers said the credit could be used to reduce leasing prices. The $430 billion U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Now, these credits have nothing. In fact, the Inflation Reduction Act, we know. Pete has said it. 
Winter Bull said it. All the other uh, hosts, uh, Coakley's probably said it. Um, the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed in August, ended $7,500 consumer tax credit for purchases of electric vehicles assembled outside North America, angering the South Koreans, the Europeans, the Japanese, and others. The new Treasury guidance doesn't change the definition of what constitutes North American assembly to make more vehicles eligible. Treasury said it was using, quote, a longstanding tax principles, end quote, to determine consumer leasing could qualify for the credit. So did you kind of catch that? So there you go. You can do it. Not supposed to be able to do it, but Treasury says you can. So you can. And just like that, you get $7,500 off an electric vehicle. It's just, and and what, so if you were to look at that in pure economic terms, let's forget money. Let's look at economics. Whatever you want more of, you regulate less. Whatever you want less of, you regulate more. Whatever, so what you're doing is you're trying to encourage people to buy electric vehicles. You're bribing them to buy a vehicle because the free market would do it. If electric vehicles were more competitive, and they will be over time, you don't need these tax credits. So keep giving tax credits, whether it's for solar or wind or whatever, that's a way to make sure that they stay high in price. It's an encouragement to keep prices high and, and to not make them better or cheaper. Whereas if, you, if they're very expensive and they're hard to compete with, then, they'll, th- then the market will make them cheaper and better. Also make all cars cheaper and better. But that's not the way this works. They're doing just the opposite. They're making it stay expensive longer. Welcome back. It's kind of dark foreboding music, isn't it? Darkness. The end is near. Just kidding. Actually, a lot of reason to be optimistic. The fight goes on. We can make it better. We have the opportunity to actually reverse some of the stuff that's taken place over the past few years. We can get the light, you know, let's, let's cut out some of these fentanyl deaths. Let's uh, restore some sanity to our, our uh, way of dealing with viruses and pathogens. Let's get honest about the role that vaccinations and what real vaccine, you know, a real vaccination will prevent you from getting something. It isn't just a myth. It isn't just based on assertions and you have to be stopped. You can actually discuss things, you know, you can get the chicken pox vaccine and get the all. There's so many good ones, but we, what we've done, the, in, the amount of damage done to the entire concept of vaccinations because of the madness of COVID, it's going to take us years to untangle. I mean, polio, smallpox, chicken pox, I mean, there's things you don't have to worry about getting because of vaccines. I mean, the kids these days, remember remember how everyone got chickenpox when you were a kid? Everyone got it. And now you hardly ever see a kid with it, unless they're anti-vaccine. You'll see some kids with chickenpox floating around out there with that. I mean, I have two nephews that they, they didn't get vaccinated at all. Both got chickenpox at like 10, 12. It was awful. But And now they got to worry about getting shingles later in life. And so you get vaccinated against that and cut that out. But these vaccines these days, the ones that are saying, oh, remember, if you get the vaccine, it'll... It'll stop you from getting it. It'll stop you from spreading it. And it didn't do either of those things. You get the booster, it'll stop. Now they're, I got a call the other day about a clinical trial, RSV and flu and COVID vaccine all at once. That'll prevent me. I mean, if, if it's that strain of the flu, it will prevent you from getting it because your your system works that way. Now, um, a, a lot more going on out there. I do want to get to this piece. I, I'm going to try to get through it. It's a great piece. It's, it's again, uh, I, I don't always read... Uh, Jeffrey Tucker's pieces, but they're good. He has some good ones. And he's talking about how the left has become the very thing that it said it, it hates. And he, and he goes back to the Hunger Games, and, and it's kind of interesting seeing an older dude quote the Hunger Games. 
but it's 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 a good analogy. In the final scenes of the book and film, The Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen Everdeen has the opportunity to finally kill the hated dictator, President Snow, but instead turns her bow on the leader of the rebellion named President Coyne. The plot twist is remarkable because it adds an element of realistic complexity to the dynamics of power. Katniss has come to realize that the rebels had gradually become the thing they hated the most. They had begun to crave the very power that they were trying to overthrow. Now, that's kind of profound in a film. When hatred becomes focused, boundless, and obsessive, the hater gradually comes to emulate the very thing it opposes. That's what happened to the rebel armies in that, and to Coin, the, the, the character in the, in the book and the movies. But think about that sink in. When hatred becomes focused, boundless, and obsessive, hatred gradually comes to emulate the very thing it is. So think, you know, it used to always amaze me. The people that hated Donald Trump, they hated him when he was a candidate. They hated him when he was run. They hated him. And the hate was epic. They, it was hatred to a point that you couldn't discuss policies. You couldn't discuss tax cuts. You couldn't discuss the border. You couldn't discuss being tough on foreign countries. You couldn't uh, discuss foreign policy. You couldn't discuss trade agreements. You couldn't discuss making NATO more accountable. You couldn't discuss these fantastic policies with anyone because they were so, emotion uh, they were so emotionally deranged. Their obsession, had, had their hatred had replaced, replaced saliency. Their hatred had replaced, and again, hatred not the opposite of love. So the hatred is born of something different. It's, it's a darkness that's inside these folks. So, too, this is what Trump derangement system has done to the left in this country. It began in 2016 when Trump won the presidency over Hillary, who was somehow supposed to win. After that, the single-minded focus of opposition began, uh, became to grind, actually started to grind him and his presidency in the ground and oppose everything about him, including his supporters, even the system that brought him to office. The bitter irony here is that the left has become that very thing they warned us against. They said Trump was an authoritarian and a brutal financier racketeer who lived off manipulation. They warned us he would use his personality cult to impose a quasi-dictatorship. And here we are six years later, and what do we see on the left? Especially during COVID, they embraced censorship, authoritarianism, imposition of bodily, uh, on bodily autonomy, and attacks on the freedom of association. For a time, the word freedom itself became a bad word to them. People who were merely trying to get schools open or the freedom to run a small business became the object of their loathing, even to the point that the left began to label as fascist those who wanted freedom. Someone coming of age right now would never have any idea that the left once had some core principles that revolved around freedom. They were free speech, bodily autonomy, peace, small business over large, the poor, the middle class over the rich, freedom of expression and art, opposition to ruling class manipulation of the system on behalf of the privileged instead of the common good. They were deeply suspicious of the national security state, corporate elites, arbitrary use of executive power. They were against corruption in government. They were once for human rights and against segregation based on medical compliance. Probably today, no one younger than the age of 25 would believe that. They used to be central principles to the political left. So far as I can tell, and the host of the show agrees, every single one of those principles has been thrown out. In the COVID crisis, all major lefty journals of opinion pushed mask and COVID vaccine mandates. They argued for more statist power to muscle people. 
favored large businesses over small, crushed the working class and the poor, even throughout their traditional defense of public schools, which they seem to want to be closed for longer periods of times. They rallied around the segregation of entire cities by vaccine status, even though doing so meant excluding nearly half the members of minority populations from access to public accommodations like restaurants, museums, libraries, and theaters. Not a peep of protest from the left. They completely disregarded one-time liberal precepts, such as a woman's right to work, as millions of married women with kids were thrown out of corporate life to take care of kids. The daycares and schools were closed, so women had no choice about it. The result is that women's participation in the workforce has been set back, what, one, two, ten years? No, 34 years. We are nowhere near the pre-pandemic levels, and it's still falling. Let that one sink in for a second. Think about that. Women's participation in the workforce has been set back 34 years, not because of policies on the right, but because of policies on the left. The lockdowns. Have you heard even one peep about this from the left? Has the New York Times or the Washington Post covered that issue? It's an absolute scandal, a great measure of just how many principles the left has thrown out in their crazed and maniacal hatred of Trump. They've been willing to utterly destroy social and economic life in the single-minded pursuit of killing Trump as their one and only goal. And in pursuit of that goal, they've embraced an authoritarian biosecurity state that robs people of personal autonomy. And let's not forget the one-time centrality of science. The left, remember, they claim to be the, the party of science. Since at least the monkey trial, they have been or tried to be, American progressives have rallied around science as op- opposed to religion or faith, but when it came to COVID, they completely threw all science out the window. They would hear nothing as the evidence kept pouring in that COVID was not a threat to kids, that it had an infection fatality ratio that compares to the flu for anyone younger than the age of 75, and that even the overall death rate was 0.2%, but instead of dealing with this reality, they screamed panic so the entire population would fly into a rage. As for the vaccines, even as evidence mounted that they protect against neither infection nor transmission and that the adverse effects are inordinately high, even against the target population of the elderly, they still wouldn't hear it. They've pushed these grotesque human rights, destroying mandates and segregations. Even this wild D.C. obsequious obsequious deference to the Ukrainian president from last week has roots in Trump hatred. They spent so long trying to prove that Russia was somehow responsible for Trump, despite the complete absence of evidence that They came to believe it. So the stupid logic goes this way. Russia equals Trump, and therefore anyone who's against Putin Putin, is a friend, no matter the corruption. As a result, even the one-time penchant for favoring peace has been tossed out. In other words, the left in the United States has adopted all the practices that they once warned that Trump would bring. I say this not as a a fan of Trump personally, as the author is not. I was warning that his presidency would be unhinged as early as 2015 because his ideological impulses departed too far from constitutionalism. Be careful what you hate. Too much focus, too much attention, and too much study will cause the object of your hatred to be the most compelling pedagogue. If you take a close look at the mirror, you won't recognize yourself anymore. That is what the left has made of itself. Great piece. That's not all of it. That's all all we're going to cover. There's more to it. Howdy. How you doing? Last broadcast of the year for the Pete Callender Show. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for Pete. Hope he's having some well-deserved time off. Give us a call, 704-570-1110, 570-1110, here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
Chris Manning and those phones, making it all sound wonderful. I'm thankful, grateful to he and you, all of you, for being a part of this great radio station. Now, we've discussed a number of things today and always much more to discuss. I do, and I, I, I teased something earlier, and I will get to it about the ICE administration. And I want to get to some Ukrainian stuff. There's still a lot more to do. And two, before we get to the top of the hour, there are two things I did want to mention. And, and I don't know how much will come back about this COVIDian stuff, but certainly in Mecklenburg County, COVID-19 case counts trending upward from December the 10th through the 17th. There were about just shy of 2,000 cases reported throughout the county, up from 17, about 17, as up about another 100 or 200 cases from the previous week, according to the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Now, you don't know how far the media might try to go in this direction, but I think most folks are now looking at COVID as they would other illnesses. And some people have had it two and three times. The uptick in COVID cases can be attributed to gatherings during the fall and winter holidays, according to the health department. Currently, COVID-19 and other seasonal respiratory viruses are impacting our region, state, and nation. This is largely due to increased indoor public activity during this time of year and uh, as colder temperatures prevail. Mecklenburg County, under code yellow for or medium-level exposure, levels can be low, medium, or high and are determined by the CDC community. You know what they didn't mention in the story, though? Is they, you know, now, now see at the latter part of the story, it says, should Charlotte residents go back to masking? With a medium level exposure, the CDC and county officials are recommending that high risk folks might want to wear a mask indoors, like a KN95 or N95. Health officials also suggest that residents avoid contact with people who have COVID 19. In other words, stay away from sick people. If they have the flu, stay away from them if you can. If they have an RSV, stay away from it. If they're sick, if they have a highly contag- if they have Ebola, stay away from them. Stay away from sick people. Wash your hands. Let's see how far. I'm interested to see how far the Department of Health and Human Services might go. We're just entering into a period of time where uh, you know how many people you know have the, the oh they got the crud uh, something's going around something's going around everybody's getting something it's a cold we we don't even talk about colds anymore do we I think I have a cold no one's like you got COVID. You got the flu? You got some kind of RSV? I got tested for the flu and COVID. It came up negative. I don't know. Maybe I have a cold. Wait, you feel sick. You thought you had COVID. You went and got tested, and you think you might have a cold. Cold. Because a lot of the symptoms are similar across the board on those, depending on the severity with which something hits your system. the best, Some of the best advice, stay healthy. Keep your weight under control. Keep your eating. Exercise more. Get outdoors if you can. Good stuff. All good stuff. Uh, another one I want to cover before they get to the top of the hour, because I want to get to this, uh, the Immigration Customs folks and some of the strange stuff that's going on there. And in the next hour, also to get into the Ukrainian situation, because there are some odd develops, developments on the Ukrainian side of things. And it's difficult to make that tie in locally, but at least it should stoke your interest. You should at least be paying some attention to the ongoing situation. And Newsweek seems to be writing, some of the more interesting pieces right now that should be provocative enough to make you say, huh, it should be doing that. But I definitely want to get here as we head toward the top of the hour. Also, at the next hour, I will get to um, some of the weird illnesses of the year, weird medical cases. There are some weird, some I won't say on the radio show here. There's some I won't say in public, but there are others that are worthy of being said. Now, on to the, uh, one little climate fact check that gives you an example of what's going on. I know, boring, but this is funny. This is kind of funny. 
The Climate Fact Check 2022 report issued by the Competitive Enterprise Institute and several other nonprofit groups, what they do is they debunk claims made in the media over the past year about the disastrous impacts of climate change. Major weather events blamed on climate change by the Associated Press, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the BBC, and other outlets, including events like the floods in Pakistan, Hurricane Ian, droughts in Europe and China, African famine, Yellowstone River floods, low water levels at Lake Mead, and lack of snow at the World Cup for skiing. To take perhaps the most egregious example of climate hype in the past year is the quote, in this World Cup season, climate change is winning, said the Washington Post headline in November. Shorter winners were blamed for being cold enough to hold only one of eight races as of mid-November. So here's the climate check, the fact check. And we don't see enough of this. I hope we see more of it. First, winter doesn't begin until December 21st. Next, the World Cup skiing that started in the 60s, the season started in January. Now it starts in October, which is actually the middle of fall. If the competition started in winter, everything would have been okay because wintertime snow cover in the Northern Hemisphere has been increasing since the 1960s. Fact check. Fact check true. Seth Bornstein in an AP story summed up the estimated cost of damages due to climate change in 2022 at $268 billion. Climate fact checkers also notes that the Associated Press, a longtime major newswire service, accepts donations specifically to fund its climate coverage. In 2022, the Associated Press received $8 million in donations to cover climate change. The money came from very large foundations, which have been pushing climate alarmism for decades, including the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, Quadrivium, the Rockefeller Foundation, and the Walton Family Foundation. So it's worth knowing these things. And, I, I, and, and you're saying, oh, Chad, you're being a denier. No, I think the climate is constantly changing. I think the, the, the entire existence of the planet is, is nothing but a climate change event over the millennia. But I do think it's good to be aware of stuff. And it's good to be a conservationist, which is a good way to be. Much more to go here on the Pete Callender Show. We're going to kick it over. Well, actually, we're going to take a break. We'll be back for the third hour. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 